I'm Jack Moylan, and you're listening to Let's Talk Business, a podcast geared towards young professionals served with a side of witty commentary. At Lutz, we rally around the mantra, make light, meaning be lighthearted, illuminate solutions, and create energy. We hope this episode will do just that. Let's make the complex simple. All right, welcome to another episode of Let's Talk Business. Today, we're talking about business expenses for startups. Here with me is a tax manager here at Lutz, Justin Korth. Justin, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, what you do at Lutz, and why we're talking to you about expenses for startups? Yeah, thanks, Jack. So yeah, I've been here at Lutz for about four and a half years, and my title is tax manager. So I mostly work in the tax compliance and consulting areas, try to meet with small businesses and individuals to help them plan for both business expenses, how to make their businesses more profitable, and then kind of the flip side, how do you do the compliance work for that and turn around and and stay up to date on all the IRS and state regulations. But what I enjoy most is meeting with small business owners and really helping them answer questions so that they can make their businesses most profitable. Because most most business owners don't really care about what we do on the compliance side. They really are passionate about their businesses. And as much as we can talk to them about that, I think it creates a great relationship. It's a classic. I don't know what my accountant does. I just know I need him. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) So, well, that's cool. I mean, I know that Obviously, the compliance side is important, and, and it just needs to be done. But I think that's great that you're interested in helping the, you know, more of a consultative, you know, consultative approach, and and you know, helping business owners plan for expenses and things that they're going to have to deal with. So, did you go to high school in Omaha? No, I'm originally from a small town, Randolph, Nebraska. Okay, it's about 30 minutes north of Norfolk. I grew up on a farm there, and my family had a seed business as well. I'm used to small businesses, and and that I think it creates a little bit more aptitude for me. To to work with small business owners because I have that experience and that knowledge and also have that just drive to help them prosper. Where'd you go to college? I went to college here in Omaha, University okay. of Nebraska, Omaha, University the College of, of Business. Nice, nice. And you've been at Lutz for four and a half years. You've been accountant for four and a half years. Did you graduate four and a half years ago? So I've been full-time three years, but okay. I did internships as well here at nice. Lutz. And then I've been in the tax world ever since. Got it. Can't get out of tax. Yep. I like it that much. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, cool. Well, I guess let's get into it. So we're going to be talking about, you know, expenses that businesses or where startups can expect to incur or experience. Why why are we talking to you about, you know, startup expenses other than the fact that you have, you know, background in tax, but I mean, are there other other things that have led you to be interested in this topic? Yeah, so I work with a lot of a couple of startups, I guess you'd call it, but really I think this is relevant for any business that's trying to grow because expenses are always there and depending on the the industry that you're in. Payroll cost is usually one of the biggest expenses, but I think something where I want to go today is is talking about how you understand margins in a company because when you're selling something for a certain price, you have a cost to making that product. If it's human costs, if it's actual product costs, and then that comes out to be your leftover income and the expenses in that are such a big piece to where if you can just minimize your expenses by one, two, three percent, you can increase your bottom line by that much. So revenue is, I think, what a lot of people think yeah, of, right. but expenses, sometimes there's some bloat in there that sure. if you take a look at your PL and talk with your accountant, you can usually find some areas where you can cut back or find some better ways to spend those dollars. Right. Yeah. I think there's, you know, you look at, at revenue generation as being just a 
you know, proactive sales out in the marketplace activity. But, and I, I studied supply chain management, which supply chain, you know, management logistics, that's all the efficiencies, cutting costs, you know, working more on your, your cost side of the equation. You can certainly grow your margin or your profit by, by just being cost conscious, I guess. So, you know, what does it cost to start a business, I guess, and, and what can you expect as a startup? So kind of j- just the main legal and accounting startup costs, you likely need to have some sort of an operating agreement legally so that you are registered with the state and things like that. That can cost anywhere from 1000 to probably $5,000 just for general startup expenses. Hiring an accountant and getting software set up, that really is gonna depend on the size and scope of your business. If you're in manufacturing, if you're in the service business, it really depends. But I would say, I mean, anywhere between ten dollars to $50,000 is usually kind of a bottom line. But once you start operating, that's when the costs really start racking up. You have utilities and rent. And then if you start paying people, if you're not just a sole owner yourself, those costs start accumulating and they, they come up every month or every two weeks. So that's when you need to be conscious about how much can my cash flow get me so that I know that I stay liquid long enough to stay in business. Right. So we had, a, we had an interesting conversation conversation with Ashley a couple weeks ago, I guess. Is it like three weeks ago now? Something like that, three weeks ago. Ashley England talking about startups and a little bit more of, I think, the qualitative side of startups, who, you know, who you need to surround yourself with, some of the, you know, advice and consultants that you need to deal with. So, you know, one of these pieces, obviously, someone that's starting a business is really interested in something or they or they have a love for something or they found a need that they want to provide a service for, they really need to already be thinking about, you know, the P&L statement. I mean, very financial aspects of it too. The quantitative side of it needs to be there. So, you know, if they don't like that, they should probably seek out an accountant, obviously. For sure. But what are, are there any expenses or things on, you know, related to some of those financial statements that people forget to think about or lost, forgotten about expenses that you can think of? Yeah. So I think I'll take this back a couple steps first, but I think a lot of startups or small business owners are always probably more on the sales type of side because they they have something that they're so passionate about and they want to go out in the community and talk about it and sell it. So they're willing to generate revenue, which, which is what we were talking about earlier, but they sometimes forget about the cost in that revenue that they're generating. So I think let's just take something for example, if, if we wanna go sell dog treats right. and we're really passionate about that, we're gonna go out and we're gonna find the next buyer and he's gonna pay us 10 bucks for these dog treats. But maybe we don't know what our costs of those dog treats are. So in that example, we have the cost itself of, of the treats, but we have to factor in what is our warehousing costs, what's our utilities, what's our rent to the building, what's our people costs that go into that. So when we're selling a product, if it's a service or a physical product, we need to get that down to the granular level to figure out if we sell one more of another product, how much more does that cost us so that we make sure that we're pricing it to the right level so we're actually making money on that additional sale. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. I would imagine in those startup phases, those initial phases of a startup or a new business, there's, I'm sure, a lot of expenses that Mm -hmm. don't get taken into account. I mean, the extra expense of gas to drive across town to go on a sales meeting that, you know, I wouldn't have made that trip had I not been selling this. So it absolutely is a new expense. And yeah, I mean, that's an interesting way to think about it. And I'm sure it's not novel to anyone in the accounting world, but, you know, from my limited perspective that, okay, for every extra trinket sold, for every extra dog treat sold, what does my cost increase by? And then if you can increase that number of products sold and reduce or 
eliminate one of those costs, I'm mm-hmm. sure that's where it starts to really correct uh, grow and magnify. Right? Yep, yep, absolutely. When you can gain efficiencies and really work on the volume play, that's when you start increasing your net profit and your take-home money. So I mentioned hidden expenses or things that people forget about. Are there any other mistakes that that people make when they you know are looking to start a business or work on a new product or service? I think a lot of startups focus on ramping up at a very accelerated pace. So a lot of them will spend a lot of money on advertising right off the bat. Right now we're big into social media marketing and all these things and I think a lot of people think that that's just necessary. What I've seen for a lot of really successful startups is they really lay the groundwork for a couple years before they go and they they quit their job and they start what they're really passionate about in their own business. And by that time they've developed relationships and partnerships in the community Mm -hmm. in different organizations so that when they're off the ground running, they already have those relationships built and it's really word of mouth. So when they first start their business, they can really take it on themselves and maybe with a couple of contractors or a couple of employees, but they're not incurring all these expenses off the start until they know that they have a steady stream of business or revenue to expand at that pace. So I I think it's just ramping up too quickly sometimes. And then you have all those sunk costs and you're like, oh shoot, I don't have any money to take home at the end of the day for myself. Right. And then also if you do end up you know, if you if you go through a successful marketing campaign or advertisement campaign and you can't provide the products to the the new people that you bring on, I'm sure that in itself is a problem too. I mean yep. if you can't keep up the supply with the demand. But that's interesting. You brought up, you know, social media and you brought up marketing in that realm. You know, it seems like social media is a great free way to get your name out there and and advertise your new product or service but you know even though it with everything that comes along that's great like that i'm sure there's people that can really take advantage of you mm-hmm. and sell social media advertising services when you're not prepared for it i mean is that is that anything that you've you've seen someone deal with or, or, you know, go out and purchase these services before they're ready to do that? Yeah, I think so. There's marketing companies out there where a small business or a startup may outsource that initially. My recommendation is is start small, take baby steps before you make this big investment. And if you know if it's going to return the investment on that, on that money that you're spending, I, I think social media, as you pointed out is is free to the extent that a lot of people think of it but when you start doing pinpointed advertising or google adwords or all these different things that's not my expertise but it starts costing money right and if you want somebody managing that you either got to hire your own person or hire somebody else so sure i think it's just good to take baby steps and making sure that you're getting a return on that and one of the phrases that startups think about a lot is customer acquisition cost hmm. so if I'm getting a lead from Facebook, how much am I spending on Facebook and how much am I turning on that in, in the terms of revenue? Right. And then really pinpointing the social media or the marketing strategies that are turning the most income initially mm-hmm. and kind of putting the others to the side. Sure. Especially since you have to ramp up and you're not going to be able to fulfill all those orders if you get all of this in. And right. If you can't keep your customers happy, it's not really doing the point of it anyway. Right. Yeah. I think that's... That would be scary, at least to me, is trying to measure or quantify your benefit from those, you know, social media ad campaigns or social media marketing. You know, if you, if you're not really interested in that side of it, mm-hmm. you know, it's probably not best that you you invest all of your time and energy into that piece of it. So, like you said, yeah, then you got to bring someone on that is interested and can manage that for you. But let's say that you think ten thousand dollar ad campaign is going to benefit you, you know, to a certain level where it's worth it. Are there places where you can find 
that money? I mean, other than obviously, I think the initial, you know, outside investors, but are there any other places where, where you could obtain some of that capital? Yeah, for sure. There's a couple of things that come to mind right off the top of my mind. Uh, the Small Business Administration has different grants out there for startup businesses. A lot of times they're in certain industries. They do a lot in the research and development. So if you're a software business and you're developing something new or something more efficient, there are grants out there. And a grant is essentially free money. You don't have to pay it back. It's money that the government's going to help you out with up the, at the front. Mm -hmm. So that's one thing that comes to mind. The state and federal government also has tax credits. So in order to get tax credits, you get, usually got to spend money. Right. but that comes back to you in the form of uh, lower tax dollars when you file your tax return. So I would say small business owners and startups should look first at grant opportunities, both the federal and state level, and then also talk to an accountant about any tax credits out there. Awesome. Awesome. Because another thing you brought up, yeah, you may want to get some outside funding, mm -hmm. but when you do that, you give up part of the ownership to somebody else, right. maybe part of the control. Right. So as much as you can stay away from that at the beginning, the more control and the more upside you keep to your own business. Absolutely. You mentioned SBA. They, the SBA is, is who manage the PPP loans, right? Correct. I mean, yep. so that, okay. So there's, there's a situation right there where there's funding from out, you know, outside places. I mean, is there anything else, you know, speaking of the PPP loans, is there anything else that you've seen, you've seen COVID, any challenges that that's presented? I mean, other than the very apparent ones, I mean, you know, how does a startup weather something like that? Yeah, I think COVID in general just provides a whole lot of uncertainty. Right. And especially around a business who who's trying to plan for the future and figure out who are my best customers and things like that. Sometimes bigger businesses, so if, if you're a startup doing business or providing product to a bigger business, they're gonna look at their own customers and they're gonna find ways to cut their costs along the way. So to stay relevant and in business as a startup can be challenging in these times. But like you alluded to, there's programs out there like the Paycheck Protection Program. There's also the SBA is giving out IDLE loans. It's okay. E-I-D-L, which gives additional liquidity to businesses to stay afloat during these tough times. Right. But I, I would say the number one thing is just the uncertainty of where to invest some money and is it gonna is it gonna help me out? Because right. there's a lot of uncertainty right now. Yeah. Well, and I guess is there any other any other mistakes that you see people make as it as it relates to expenses or or you know the financial quantitative side of of a startup or any misconceptions as far as what they should actually be worried about as opposed to what is actually costing them the most money? I mean, is there anything that you can think of that would be good to avoid? What about you know legal costs? Because you mentioned at the beginning, at the very beginning, you mentioned the costs associated, which could be you know a thousand bucks to five thousand bucks. Is that consultation from lawyers and attorneys, or is that you know the cost to act? Actually incorporate. I mean, is that all of that? Yeah. So when when you meet with an attorney or a lawyer to set up a business, it, there's generally going to be a, a standard cost just to generate the org docs and, right. and get the filings done with the state, and that's generally kind of a flat fee depending on where you go. Now, if you're working with a lawyer on on the clock is how we call it, and they may start charging by the hour if you're requiring some consultation in addition to just general legal documents. Right. So that's where. I always say it makes sense to talk to the accountant first because right. they can usually guide you along the way and let you know what you really need. Because as a startup, there's several different business options that you have. Everybody thinks of the LLC. That's probably the most generic type of business out there. But sometimes you don't need to do anything more than that. And sure. sometimes attorneys will try to talk you into other things that maybe the accounting side, you don't really necessarily need it. Interesting. So what 
from your perspective, what are some of those things that an attorney might try and help, you know, help guide you down a path that your accountant is going to say you don't need? Is that, is that mainly based on leverage you are, I guess, in terms of risk or trying to keep yourself protected? I mean, what that, that's an interesting thought to me that your attorney might try and guide you somewhere that your accountant's saying you don't need that. I think it's mostly, so attorneys are going to, are going to try to keep you they're, they're going to keep talking and just try to help you out in your business, wh- which is great. But sometimes if you're just a startup, all you really need is just a general LLC agreement. Got it. Because if, if you don't have any debt outstanding or really any legal exposure, the LLC is going to already protect you. Mm-hmm. So you don't really need all these other documents driven up until mm-hmm. until you become more complicated or you bring other partners in sure. to where you really need that type of, I guess, that level of exposure. Protection. Yep, from, protection from, and things yeah. like that. Interesting. Yeah, I guess it is a safe to look at it as from the perspective of your accountant can really help drive you towards which advice is worth it you know in terms of your bottom line because at the end of the day your accountant benefits if you benefit yeah i I think the accountant or the cpa has the connections available so if you're looking for funding opportunities and you need to acquire some debt we're going to have some banking relationships especially for your type of business if if you're a small business in the real estate area we're going to have different lenders that are going to be more apt to grant loans in that industry versus other industries and we're going to be able to tell you I, i think a lot of it depends on the relationship too. We want somebody who you're compatible with Mm -hmm. and we feel like we can provide those relationships and also get you in touch with lawyers and attorneys who can draft up those documents so that the whole picture makes sense. Have you felt that way? I mean, have you had experiences so far? I mean, I know you've been, you know, you said three years full-time, been in accounting for four and a half years. Have you had experiences where you've gotten close enough with clients where you are helping drive a business owner's decision that may be 25, 30 years older than you and say, hey, listen, I don't think this is necessarily the best route to go down. Have you have you gotten that experience? Yeah, for sure. One that comes to mind is, is a person who's in the landscaping business. Sure. And he gives me a call all the time, which is a lot of fun. And he's he's worrying about how do I expand? How do I work less myself? And how do I expand this thing to the point where other people are doing the work for me, but I'm really capitalizing on the profits of my business. So he'll call me all the time and ask, hey, my truck broke down. Like, what should I do? Right. And, and I'm and like, you're like, well, fix your truck. <laughs> yeah, fix first. your truck. Well, you got to fix your truck to keep yeah. doing business. But does it make sense to have a junky old truck that you got to put repair costs into all the time? Or does it make sense to loan some money, go to a bank, get some debt financing, and go buy a new truck? Right. Because th- that's where you go back and you look at your efficiency of your equipment and you say, well, if I have a cheap truck and it, it didn't really cost me that much up front, but I'm paying. a year in repairs and it's down for five weeks a year, you're losing out on revenue. Mm -hmm. Whereas if you buy a truck that's three times more expensive, it's not going to break down. You're not going to have the repair expense, but you're also going to be able to keep doing your jobs Mm -hmm. and keep your reputation in line in the community. Interesting. That's awesome. That's got to feel pretty cool to to at least be trusted. I mean, you've you've never put down a paver for this guy or dug a hole for him or or laid any concrete for him, but he's going to call you and say, hey, you know, what do I do here? That's got to feel pretty cool. Correct. And I think the main thing that you got to do in a, in a relationship, in a business relationship, is just 
be vulnerable when they are vulnerable and mm -hmm. and be kind of at the same level that they are. I mean, he'll call me up and I mean, he'll have some bad days. And one of the major things that you find nowadays is people can't find quality people or reliable people to help them out. Sure. So they're stuck doing the work themselves. And right. sometimes they just get down and out because it, it's tough work. But that's where I think we need to be lend a helping hand and at least have compassion for them mm -hmm. in the times that they struggle as business owners. Right. Because I'm sure most of the conversations start out in the compliance realm and and, you know, help me understand, help help me, business owner, understand what what it is I need to do to stay out of trouble, right? right. But then being able to move into the realm of, of actually advising them on, on certain things that they wouldn't have thought they would have gotten advice from an accountant on, that's got to be pretty neat. And I'm sure, obviously, some of those are, I think, personally, some of the more important things are quantifying that lost revenue from being down if your truck's down. For sure. Right? You might not think about that because in the moment, if you're out there on the side of the road with a broke down truck, you're thinking, I need to fix this truck, you know, and this the job can wait. It's like, well, no, it can't because then that, that just pushed that revenue off another month and then, you know. Correct. And, so forth. and another thing to think about just using the same business, right. if you're a landscaping business, a lot of your work's going to be done probably in the April to October timeframe. Right. But your equipment's going to stay idle over the winter months. Mm -hmm. So how can you stay busy as a small business owner and use that equipment to another purpose? So do you do snow removal? Do you do other types of work in those winter months that you can keep your equipment going? Mm -hmm. Because if you have debt out on it, your debt payments are still gonna come due in those months that you don't have revenue coming in. Right. So offering those solutions to business yeah, owners. Banks don't work off of off of seasonality. No, nope, nope. <laughs> banks are just gonna want their monthly payments. Right. So. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Well, so I think, you know, obviously the cost of incorporating legal fees you know, that initial investment. And then obviously the cost of goods sold for every extra dog treat you need to sell, understanding exactly what's going into that. Not only the raw materials, but also, you know, the logistics of it, transportation, and then obviously advertising and all that. Those sound like, I mean, really that kind of breaks down your, your, your expenses, mm -hmm. right? I mean, is there anything else that, anything else related to expenses that, that someone needs to keep in mind? I think one of the major expenses in any business is going to be payroll, okay. the cost of hiring employees. And one of the major decisions or decision factors that a client will bring to me is, do I hire this person as an actual employee mm -hmm. or do I hire them as an independent contractor? And there are payroll rules around that, depending on the amount of control that you have over that employee. Mm -hmm. But if you're hiring somebody for a few hours here and there, it makes sense to have them as an independent contractor for the most part. You're going to send them a 1099 form at the end of the year. But the most important thing to you as an employer or as a business owner is that you're not paying any payroll taxes on their behalf. Whereas if they are an actual employee of yours, you're going to pay Social Security and Medicare taxes for them, half of it. So, so that can be a decision factor too is are they an employer or are they an independent contractor? Sure. And I think another thing comes into play if you're having people help you out and you're giving them some sort of commission to make sure as going back to your cost of goods sold scenario, we may know that we're making money on the product because we're selling it for more than we bought it for. Mm -hmm. But if we're giving commission to somebody else, we also need to make sure that as a business owner, we're not giving them too much. Right. And sometimes we see this in the real estate business a lot. Yeah, yeah. Real estate agents are so busy right now with the hot housing market that right. they'll hire people to give showings for them or they'll hire other real estate agents under them and sometimes they're giving them commissions that are exceeding what they're actually getting on the close of the sale. Really? So really understanding their costs is critical to making a profit because they may think that, well, I sold it for more than I bought it, 
but there's all these costs in the middle. Mm -hmm. There's legal, there's accounting costs, but then the biggest one usually is people costs. Well, and, and I think the last thing that they have in that moment when they need to sit down and figure out what that cost actually was is the time to do that. Correct. Right? I mean, especially now in this market. I mean, you've got you know appraisers that are just their backlogs through the roof mm -hmm. right and and then like you said in the real estate on that side of it i'm sure that gets people into some pretty hairy situations so having someone there that has the time you know daily to yeah. look at that and make sure that they're not you know bleeding out is, is i'm sure huge you brought up something else that i want to talk about too and, and that's kind of the work-life balance of being a business owner and some people it may be worth going and working 100 hours a week every week of the year right. if they can make another sale but taking a look back and saying all this time that i'm investing in this extra thing that i'm doing is it actually making me any money right. or is it just something i'm doing because i think i need to be doing it right and that comes back to the real estate answer there was a client who was asking questions and she's like I'm, I'm just working so much in a week's time and we came back and we're like, well, what are you spending your time on? Like, right. does it make sense that you're doing commercial and residential? Or should you only focus on one or the other? What are you really best at? Right. Because if you're not making money on one of them, maybe we can cut out 30 hours of your week and make a better work-life scenario for yourself. Right, yeah, if, you, if you're bringing in 100 bucks an hour, this chunk over here of residential, but uh, you know, 80 bucks an hour working commercial, and that's another 30 hours a week, you're working 60 hours a week, yeah, mm -hmm. you can absolutely invest that time better. Yep. Uh, and I think that all goes back to setting up your financial statements so they're, so they're in a format that you understand as a business mm -hmm. owner. We as accountants have our way of looking at it, but putting that in a way so the business owner can really make decisions on a on a real-time basis is important. That's an interesting point. Yeah, I guess you probably, as a business owner, tend to, we had the same kind of conversation, uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago with Ashley, but as a business owner, as the leader of a company, you probably, you feel like you need to know everything and need to be the best at everything, but that's not always going to be the case. But what you do need to understand is how much things cost, how much you're paying people and how much you're bringing in as far as revenue goes. And if you can't understand that by looking at your accountant's financial statements, change it. Yep. <laughs> right? For sure. I mean, why not? You're the owner. Yep. You know, I mean, obviously your accountant is going to look at it how they need to look at it, but I'm sure you would work with someone and help them understand in very simple terms what's important to keep in mind and what's important to track over time and what's important to look at a static place in time. And yep. We see this a lot in the restaurant industry. A lot of restaurant owners will have statistics in their mind of what they think is most important. They're like, well, if we have a thousand people coming through our restaurant every day, we're, we're fine. But what if during certain times of those day, you don't need to be open? Because if those thousand people are coming in in two chunks of the day, if they're coming in for breakfast and lunch, mm -hmm. why are we open for the whole day? Right. So whereas the business owner is just like, well, we have people coming in. We may not be looking at, are we using our time and our people most efficiently? But you really don't know that until you look at your point of sale system and you see when are people coming in? When are they buying the most stuff? And you don't really know that until we build you a dashboard or we extrapolate the data so that you can analyze it. Or, you know, maybe I, I can't hire someone because I'm not bringing in enough revenue to, to warrant that. But if you were to hire someone, they'd be more efficient. And, and let's say people are being served more quickly mm -hmm. in, at a high time of the day at dinner, and then they start drinking more. And then you see your alcohol sales go up. I Correct. mean, I'm sure that's... That's another, yeah, that's that's interesting. And again, that's where that's where you come in to look at those and say, hey, 
let's focus a little bit over here instead of over there. Yep. I think one of the biggest things where business owners can't really understand how they're doing as a business is when they have multiple lines or multiple products in a business. Sure. And they really look at everything collectively. They don't break it out into those different buckets to say, am I making money on this product or this service or this time that I'm investing somewhere else? How often do you find that situation or find someone paralyzed by that situation because of the fact that they're making 70% of their revenue on product A, 20% on product B, and 10% on product C. And you're saying, well, quit doing product C. That's how easy it is to look at it analytically. Quit with that product. And they say, well, no, if I don't do that, then I'll lose my client or Mm -hmm. I'll lose my customer that buys all three. And they spend a lot of money on product A. And you're like, well, that's fine, but the numbers don't show that. I mean, is that... And and there's a quantitative aspect that that we want to point out to people, but sometimes we're not the business owner ourselves. Sure. So they need to take us back and say, hey, that really doesn't make sense. And I think it's that collaboration because like you said, there's so many qualitative aspects to running a business as well. Right. Awesome. Well, is there anything else that you wanted to touch on as far as expenses, startups, anything that you wanted people to hear? I think just start small and have, I know you have a passion for your business, but don't try to jump the gun and do everything in year one. Take baby steps. And I think the most important thing that I've seen that business owners do to be really successful is be involved in the community Mm -hmm. because that word of mouth, that reputation that you gain by not only the work that you do, but the role that you play in the community is so important and it can save you a lot of money. And I think it makes your life a lot more enjoyable because people that you work with and do business with are probably some of your friends or some of the people that you want to be around. Right. Awesome. Well, thanks again. I think this was, I had a lot of fun and just appreciate your time. Yeah. Thanks, Jack. Yeah. You've reached the end of another episode of Let's Talk Business. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast on your podcast app, Spotify, or iTunes. Thanks for listening and don't forget to make light.